welcome to week three of the Slow Beginnings Retreat. I really hope you've enjoyed the first couple of weeks of the retreat as we've dug into your values and then last week as we looked at um, the topic of, I guess, time and inputs, you know, those things that take up our energy and our attention and our time and, you know, the realization that that is a finite resource that we each have. And this week we're going to look more closely, I guess, at this topic of time and how we uh, how we manage those inputs because I think at the heart of it, really, slow living is, it's about, um, you know, our priorities, our values, and it's also about time. That is how we manage the time that we do have, where uh, we're happy to, to spend that time, and also our perception of time, you know, the, the speed of it, whether it's slow or fast, and also whether we have enough of it or not. So, uh, you know, this week we're, we're looking at really practical um applications of this idea of time by looking at two big ideas that have helped me enormously over the last few years as I've grappled with this question of time and and how to manage it and the first of those big ideas is rhythm so I use the term rhythm in place of routine and I do that very consciously because for me uh, routine, while it does have its pros of, you know, providing certainty and uh, organization to our time, routine also brought me uh, feelings of, of overwhelm, feelings of anxiety, and ultimately feelings of failure, because inevitably I would not be able to stick to a routine because life happens. And trying to follow a very strict, rigid routine left me feeling, uh, you know, like I wasn't good enough. And then I discovered the idea of rhythms, which I guess you could say it's a semantic change if, if you really want. But to me, rhythm takes those elements of routine. So certainty, um, security, organization, and adds to it an element of fluidity and flexibility and grace and compassion because I mean, and even the word is friendlier to me. Routine feels very rigid. It feels very um, regimented. Whereas rhythm is something that you can speed up if you need to. You can slow it down if you need to. If you take the musical analogy a little further, you can skip a step. You can mix your steps up, and the rhythm continues. You know, whereas with a with a routine, uh, particularly the way I used to apply the idea of routine, you know, up at six a.m dressed and showered by 6.15, kids' breakfasts by 6.35. If ever something came up, the milk got spilled, a kid was sick or someone overslept, I would feel like I I had messed up my routine for the day and never quite regained my my sense of, of place in the day, whereas rhythm is a lot more forgiving than that. So while, yes, it could be a semantics change, I actually think that the words that we use to describe these things are really important because it not only not only the word but the stories that we attach to those words about the kind of person we are and, and about how we um, you know fail or succeed throughout the day and in this particular case how we spend our time those stories matter because they add up you know to the picture of the person that, that we are so I think that if making that shift even though it's a small mindset shift from routine to rhythm makes sense to you. And I'd be really interested to see what happens when you 
experiment with that over the over the coming weeks of the retreat and um, today as well with the with the exercise that I've designed for you. So this idea of routine versus rhythm speaks directly to the second idea that I wanted to talk to you about in today's lesson, which is balance, the uh, the dreaded B word. Now I think that balance, as it is packaged up and sold to us currently, you know, is this well very well rounded daily. Um, daily application of balance is is a myth, you know, and uh, I think it's quite a, a harmful myth to be perfectly honest. It, it 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 it's another way we are told that what we're doing is not good enough, and I think much like the idea of routine, there are so many opportunities every day to fail at this idea of day to day work life balance that it's um it's doing us a huge disservice to continue to try and. Uh, to try and, and find it and try and manufacture it. Uh, because I think, I mean, if you think about what, what uh, balance, if you picture somebody who is balancing, maybe you picture somebody walking along a tightrope or someone who's juggling a lot of balls. And think about how much energy is going into the act of staying upright or keeping the balls in the air. And I wonder, you know, is there any enjoyment being taken from those balls you know is there any enjoyment being taken from staying on the rope or is that person too busy keeping it all together that they're not actually engaged in what they're doing only how they're doing it and i think that we we expend so much energy on maintaining that sense of balance um, that we don't actually fully engage with our lives while doing so and that's why I really want to remove the idea of balance as it is currently sold to us from, um, you know, from the conversation around how to live a well-rounded life. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't think that a single day would pass in my life where I gave the correct amount of time and energy to all the different important elements of my life, you know, work and family and exercise and spirituality. And I, I similarly don't think that there would be a single day where I give the the correct amount of time and energy to all of my values either and i think that that's that's perfectly fine you know if we remove the idea of balance as a daily thing or even a weekly thing and zoom out to maybe 6 months or 12 months and look back at our lives look back at all of those important areas of our lives and ask ourselves well do i feel like i am I'm balanced across the past 12 months. Do I feel like those areas of my life over the past 12 months have had enough of my time and my energy and my attention? And the answer may be yes. And I think it's, it's a much gentler and a much more compassionate way of, of looking at balance. But the answer may also be no. And in that case, it gives you a really good opportunity to start rethinking where your time and energy goes on a daily basis or on a monthly basis. Um, so that over the next six months, you could potentially look back and say, yes, I feel like I'm living a more balanced life over, you know, over that period. I guess it's just another way of removing that, you know, that opportunity to beat ourselves up over a failure to, to achieve something today, you know, be that balance or um, uh, be that achieving optimal output of your routine and really looking at these two ideas with a much gentler, much more flexible, um, you know, set of set of ideas around it, not 
leaving everything up to chance, not winging it, not, um, you know, throwing it all up in the air and seeing where it lands, but just being more realistic and more heart-centered and more, um, you know, compassionately focused. Okay, so that's a big no to balance. <laughs> um, but I think instead of using the idea of um, balance to dictate what we do day to day, I much prefer the idea of tilting. So whereas balance requires a huge amount of time and energy um, just going into to keeping us upright, tilting is essentially the opposite of that. And it encourages us to willingly tilt all the way into whatever it is that requires our attention right now. While at the same time acknowledging that tilting into something means that we are tilting away from other things. So it removes the pressure to be all things to all people at all times and allows us to essentially single task in um, a world that has taught us that multitasking is, uh, you know, more effective and more efficient. Uh, I think particularly women struggle with this as well. The idea of multitasking versus single tasking, um, where, you know, we're taught that in order to be effective and efficient and like and, uh, you know, seen as a nice person, a polite person, um, we continue to strive to be all things to all people, say yes, multitask, um, keep all those balls in the air. And even if that means that we burn out, even if it means that we become less effective. Uh, this week, I'd like us to, to give ourselves permission to embrace the tilt, embrace the idea of single tasking, and let go of the idea of, of balance um, and, and being all things to all people. I guess the question though is, how exactly do we do that? Particularly when we are we are brought up in a world that perhaps expects us to uh, strive for balance. That balance is you know a measure of success. And I think additionally, these ideas sound nice on paper, or even when someone's talking to you about them, the idea of tilting sounds really nice. But but the practicalities of it can feel really overwhelming when you're faced with you know a, a very full day and a very full schedule and all these competing. Uh, elements of your life that require your attention. So I, I get it. It is not an easy shift to make. Uh, but there are a couple of mindset shifts I think that we can make that will help us to begin to embrace the tilt uh, a little more in our day-to-day -day lives. And the first one is not an easy one to master at all, and I continue to struggle with it. But it is um, to 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 drop our standards. I'm, I'm advising you to learn to drop your standards a little and embrace the ish. You know, close-ish is good enough-ish uh, and done-ish. I think that embracing the ish, embracing the, um, the ability to, to, to not hold on to um, perfection as the only outcome is really important because it allows us to essentially turn up and do our best on the day uh, in that moment sometimes one day's best is not the next day's best and that's okay you know I think again it, it's it's reducing the pressure that we're putting on ourselves and acknowledging the differing and changing and evolving pressures on us uh, every day so by embracing the ish and, and dropping your standards a little you remove some of that pressure from yourself to give you a very brief example of what that might look like in real life for me, while I was preparing for this uh, lesson, to record this lesson, I was working at the library and it was a Saturday. So I don't normally like to work on weekends, but sometimes you've got to tilt, you know, and I was tilting into this period of intense workload. 
So I reduced, I dropped my standards there and tried really hard not to feel guilty about it because there was a reason for it. But while I was at the library, I had to acknowledge that Ben was at home with the kids on the weekend. He was trying to get some stuff done of his own. The kids were probably going to be on their iPads. Um, you know, the, the dogs probably weren't going to be walked. There was jobs that I wanted to do at home that probably weren't going to get done. Uh, and that's because I was choosing to tilt all the way in. I mean, I needed, I had run out of deodorant on this particular day and I wanted to make my own because that's something that I've been trying to do. So I had, <laughs> I had to decide, do I stay at home for an extra half an hour, make my deodorant and then leave? Or do I step out into the world without deodorant? And I did. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I actively stepped into the idea of tilting all the way into work and all the way out of everything else, which meant I had to let go of the expectations I had of myself and what I thought the house should look like and what I thought my weekend should be spent doing and, you know, whether or not I should smell. <laughs> so, you know, that's sort of what tilting looks like in action. It's just a reduction in our expectations of ourselves. And very closely linked to that idea is acknowledging that your worth is not tied to your productivity. So if you do or don't get the house cleaned, if you do or don't uh, get your inbox down to zero, if you do or don't finish your report to the standard of perfection that you expect of yourself, you're still enough. And uh, I still struggle to hear this message, so I understand that it can be quite confronting if your self-esteem uh, isn't always the strongest. And that doesn't mean it's not true. So with or without any of those things, with or without anything that you are tilting into or away from, you are enough. And I think that for me, the key in unlocking that um, is knowing that getting stuck in that not enoughness keeps us heavy. I know it certainly keeps me heavy. Accepting and acknowledging that I'm enough no matter what allows me to develop um, flexibility and self-compassion and grace which in turn frees me up to turn up for things more fully. So it's this kind of beautiful feedback loop, this positive loop that continues. If you are able to create a little more, a little more um, flexibility and fluidity and, and compassion and grace in your rhythms for your day, for example, that often allows you to um, reduce the amount of pressure that you put on yourself with the idea of balance, which then allows you to um, bring that that sense of, of self-compassion and um, enoughness into whatever it is that you're tilting into and you know that you're turning up fully and that sort of creates this, this really beautiful positive loop that I hope through this week's exercises you're able to start to see put in practice in your own life which brings me to this week's exercise so we're going to, uh, to, to work on developing a rhythm of your own. And it can, be your, it can be for your mornings, it can be your evenings, it can even be your week. You can decide which works for you. Now, I'm going to use the example of a morning rhythm, only for simplicity's sake. And I will say before we get started that what we're aiming for by developing a rhythm over time is to develop one that sits so naturally in the landscape of your morning that you don't have to think about it anymore. It just feels like a natural state. There is, there is flow there, there is flexibility there, there is um, enough structure there and certainty and um, organization. But there's also that beautiful space and that margin in which you can 
slow down or speed up or you know mix your steps up whatever you need to do but perhaps when you're working through this exercise it's going to feel a little heavy-handed or a little over-engineered and I think it's important to just stick with the process as you start to work out your your rhythm even though it does feel heavy-handed and and really trust that what you're doing is taking the first step to developing a rhythm that is going to sit so beautifully in the shape of your day over time. It's going to take some evolution. It's going to take some change and some tweaks, but, uh, by, by doing this work now and by really studying and investigating and, and kind of digging into what you're working with in terms of your mornings, you get to see, um, what, what, what requirements there are of your time and your energy and where the alignment with your values, where the alignment with your priorities lies. Okay, so we're going to start with some self-reflection. And essentially that is just thinking on and perhaps jotting down some ideas about what your current morning rhythm entails. So start by asking yourself, what, uh, what, what do my mornings feel like now? Feel specifically, not necessarily look like, but what do my mornings feel like now? Um, do they feel rushed? Do they feel spacious? Do they feel, uh, you know, other centered? Do they feel self-centered? Do they, what, what is the overriding, um, sensation and emotion from your mornings? And then ask yourself, so put your vision hat on a little, what do I want my mornings to feel like? So how do I want my mornings to feel and start to think about perhaps what the ideal version of your current weekday morning might be. Uh, You know, what kind of self-care ritual would you like to include? What overriding uh, emotion would you like to to feel in the morning? Uh, How would you like to step out of the house feeling? Um, You know, just really start to, to almost vision board what you would like your mornings to feel like. And then ask a very practical question of what do I need to get done in the mornings? What are the requirements of my time and energy in the mornings? Do you have children? Do you have pets? Do you have um, other obligations that you need to fulfill before you leave the house? And if so, what are they? I think, um, you know, if you want to incorporate some kind of housework into your morning rhythm or whatever, that this is a great time to start noting down all of those things. And then um, what do I want to get done in the morning? So you've got your needs, those ones that actually have to happen, and then you've got your wants. Um, So that's probably where any kind of additional, um, you know, tasks that that might be a nice to have can go when you're starting to to think about what you want your mornings to feel like. And then you're going to, to think a little more on that idea of needs versus wants in your morning by separating them out. So you'll see in the worksheet that there is a piece of paper that separates out, that's, that's separated rather into three columns. So the first one is the things that need to happen. The second one, things that you would like to happen. And the third column is sequence and time. We'll come back to that in a minute. But in the first column, I want you to list all the tasks that need to happen in the morning. So things that you have noted down in the answers in the previous part of the exercise Um, or anything else that you can think of. So these are non-negotiables for you and your family. Uh, So that might be get up by a particular time or make the bed, uh, wake the kids, shower, eat breakfast, tidy the kitchen, um, you know, run the dishwasher, get dressed, dress the kids, run a load of laundry, prepare lunches, prepare snacks, tidy up, 
you know, if you need to be out the door by a particular time, make sure you include that. And then in the second column, note down all of the tasks that you would like your morning to include. So again, just questioning what of those answers in the first part of the exercise were a need and what were a want. Perhaps you can think about something that will get your day underway in an uplifting, an energetic or a beneficial kind of way. So something for you, in other words, or self-care ritual in, you know, to put it another way. For example, you may not need to meditate, but you know that you personally benefit from it, as does your family, as does your workplace, as do your colleagues, as do your fellow commuters, perhaps. So it may not be an absolute essential in the way that perhaps getting dressed and having a shower and packing the kids' lunches is, but in terms of creating a morning rhythm that is getting closer to the vision that you that you wrote down in the first part of the exercise, that might actually be a very important foundation um, stone to lay in your morning rhythm as well. So that second column probably won't have nearly as many things in it as the first, and that's okay. Now what you're going to do now is to go through both of those columns and start to circle the tasks that you're going to include in your morning rhythm. Now I know the first column was about what needs to happen, but this is where you get to be a little bit, um, you get to be a little curious, you get to be a little creative and look to see if there's anything in that first column, in that needs column, that can be shifted to another time of the day. Perhaps laying out the kids' clothes and preparing lunches can be done the night before. Uh, you know, perhaps you can shift some of those things that you like to do in the mornings to, you know, something you do at your, on your lunch break or you shift it to your evening rhythm instead. It's just kind of a, a really nice time to play around with it and shuffle things around and tweak them um, to see what feels like a good fit for your morning rhythm as opposed to what doesn't. And uh, understand that this is all, you know, again, something that we're doing in lead pencil. You can, you can shuffle it around and experiment with it over the coming weeks and months. There is no right or wrong here. It's actually more about being realistic with the time that you do have. So what I will say is to ensure you circle one thing from that second column, at least one thing. So one um, self-care ritual, something that even if it's very small, even if it's only for a couple of minutes, something that will help you to begin your day uh, having made space, having created a pocket of slow, having um, identified that your, your need to feel like you're beginning the day on a positive step is important. Uh, and I, 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 you can't kind of overestimate how important it is to, to create that two-minute, five-minute, ten-minute pocket of time for you, uh, even in a morning rhythm that feels quite busy. Because I think that one of the things that you might discover in doing that is that when we create those pockets of slow, when we give ourselves permission to drink the cup of tea before it gets cold or to get up 10 minutes before everybody else and just sit in the quiet, it shifts our perception of time. It actually helps us to slow down our perception of time and it feels like time expands, that we have more. So it's interesting that you know we, that's often one of the first things that drops off the list but uh, by creating that opportunity for a little bit of slow, for a little bit of self-care in the morning, you'll probably find that your mornings feel more spacious, not less. So definitely ensure that you circle one of those things uh, before moving on to the next step, which is a very practical and potentially 
might feel like an over-engineering kind of step. But this is where we ensure that the rhythm that you're creating is actually realistic for the time that you have. So you're going to go through all of the things that you've circled and just estimate roughly how much time each of them takes. So in that third column, you'll just be noting down, you know, an approximate time for each of the tasks. And at the end, you will be able to add up how much time that, uh, you know, that equates to. Round it up maybe by 10 minutes because life happens. And, uh, you know, there's lots of different things that can pop up in your morning. But essentially that then tells you how much time uh, is required to do those things realistically in your morning. Then you need to look at uh, what time you need to be out of the house by at any kind of regular standing um, rhythm and what time you wake up and figure out how many, uh, you know, how many hours, how many minutes that is. And then look at the, the rhythm that you've created. Does that fit? And if not, how are you going to create some, either create more time in the mornings or create fewer things, you know, remove things from that rhythm? Because I think that's where a lot of the, the franticness comes from when we create a rhythm for ourselves that is maybe closer to the idealistic version, whereas the realistic, um, you know, the realistic situation is that we don't have four hours in which to luxuriate in our mornings. We might have an hour and a half. So what does that actually look like? You know, and, and again, it gives, us, gives you the opportunity to then start playing around with it. So looking at what can be shifted, what can be shortened, uh, you know, what feels like a reasonable time for you to get up if you set an alarm, what time would that be? Uh, and also, you know, what time do you need to leave the house by in order to not feel rushed and frantic? So tweak and shuffle and, uh, you know, if you want, you can kind of follow the lead of our values cards exercise and, and put all of these different tasks on little pieces of paper, um, shuffle them around. And once you've come to a rhythm that seems to make sense, write it down on a piece of paper and, uh, you know, just commit to experimenting with it for the rest of the retreat. You know, spend the next week with the with the, uh, the rhythm that you've created and try not to, to move away from it too much and see how it feels. And then over the final couple of weeks of the retreat, give yourself the opportunity to, um, to make changes as needed or if needed, or to observe how you're feeling as a result of living with this rhythm for the next few weeks. I'll be really curious to see how it affects your sense of time how it affects your headspace and your, uh, you know, your ability to set your your day up in a positive way. So I think that's it for the the exercise for this week. If you've got questions or you're you're coming up against an obstacle in in this rhythm exercise, feel free to send me an email, hello at slowyourhome.com by Wednesday evening, and I will speak to that in the Friday call. Now to round out this week's lesson, we have an observation prompt. So as always, this is not something you need to do every day. There's no obligation. But if you're journaling throughout this, uh, throughout the retreat, or even if you're just creating a couple of minutes every day to, you know, to hold space for this observation, for these questions that have come up throughout the last couple of weeks, um, there's a, a really nice opportunity to just think a little more deeply on some of the questions and some of the issues that we've spoken about in today's lesson. So this week's observation is all about tilting and it's simply a, you know, an encouragement to pay attention to one time every day where you have tilted. So where you have willingly stepped out of balance, out of the, you know, the illusion of balance and into, into the task at hand. 
at the same time acknowledging that you're all the way out of everything else that you're you know that that could potentially be a a draw in your attention so first of all just ask yourself what did i do you know what was i doing and what was i tilting all the way into how did i tilt you know was there a was there a, an explanation that i gave myself was there an encouragement that i gave myself in order to feel okay about this and then how did you feel how did it feel to be fully engaged with the task at hand and how did it feel to acknowledge that you were fully disengaged from everything else? I mean, I'm sure there's probably going to be uh, some conflicting emotions there. You know, it feels great to be fully engaged in the task at hand, but having to unlearn that idea of being everything to everyone at all times will take some doing and it will potentially be quite uncomfortable. So, you know, what are those emotions and sensations that you come up against and, you know, what can you observe in yourself as a result of those? And as always, you know, it's just making that space to to really develop some um, reflection and, and some self-awareness as you're going through these changes and, uh, you know, to see what, what you discover about yourself throughout the process. Now, that is it for the week. I, I'm looking forward to doing yoga with you, with Lauren, this week and also to uh, meditating with you. So Kevin's beautiful week three session is available now. And uh, there'll be a, a Friday call where you can submit your questions and, and we can have a good chat. So enjoy your week. Enjoy tilting. Enjoy relearning these, these ideas of, of balance and um, you know, priorit prioritization and, and time. And I will speak to you soon.